What's up then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Midge, alongside my co-host, the Keg. What's up, Rose? And joining us today for our Seattle Seahawks off-season talk episode, we have Brandon joining us today. How are we doing today, Brandon? Gentlemen, appreciate you bringing me on and looking forward to talking some Seahawks football. Good stuff, no problem at all. The pleasure is all ours. Uh, but just before we get started, Brandon, I'll let you go into all your socials, uh, everything to do with the podcast as well uh, on your end. So I'll let you have the floor and uh, explain to our listeners. Oh, yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at SeahawkersPod, I, I do a podcast with a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other since kindergarten, and uh, that is the Seahawkers Podcast at SeahawkersPodcast.com. And then I also uh, host routinely at Field Goals, and it's SBNation.com slash NFL Podcast to get that show. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a busy time, always talking Seahawks. So appreciate you guys having me on. No worries at all. All good stuff, Brandon. So, guys, just for reference, I'll make sure to tag everything that Brandon is associated with with all of our descriptions in our posts up and coming for this episode. Now, Brandon, let's uh, we'll get right into it. Like we always have, and we'll talk about Seattle now. I mean, you know, I think the thing is with Seattle, I mean, ever since, you know, I mean, we've been following for you know, at least 10 years, you know, they always, I mean, Russell Wilson just oozes magic, you know, I mean, it's one of the best play you know arguably one of the best players in the league with what he does um you just seem to just when people knock you down because you know there's always been a lot of criticisms at all you know they're not quite the legion the boom team they were there's been a lot of you know losses and stuff but he just seems to get you double digit wins every year and it and it and it just like it just magically happens and you go 12 and 4 win, win the division again and i mean he was in the mvp conversation early on like you know and it, and his stats absolutely show that over 4,000 yards and 40 uh, passing touchdowns, you know, arguably one of his best passing seasons he's ever had um, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett just being outstanding. Obviously it was also, it seemed to go well when obviously you had the home field advantage. Obviously we'll get a bit to that. It wasn't exactly a massive home field advantage due to the COVID pandemic, but, but sort of everything, you know, pieces thrown into place defense, you know, in terms of what they were, you know, on the cusp of, you know, top 10 in terms of some stats, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not quite, you know, Legion boom that we had years ago, but, you know, it's still up there. And, you know, you have this playoff game at the wild card. And I think, I don't know, if, best way to describe, it, I'm sure you'll have a better word for me, but obviously losing to your division rival, win the playoffs, it's like a nightmare. It's like the worst nightmare. Obviously you don't want it to happen, but obviously the Rams came to town and yeah, their, their defense just beat up on you. I mean, their defense was outstanding throughout the for the regular season as well as going into the playoffs um i mean from a fan's perspective i mean how did you see it i mean how would you in one word i mean how would you class sort of the season how how do you sort of go by that oh well you know if you if you have to narrow me down to one word it has to be disappointing because you know you you watch a 12 and 4 season and you watch a team where they put everything together offensively throughout the first half of the season they go six and two like you said Russell Wilson's in this MVP conversation, but you look at the defense after that first half of the season and you go, man, this is not a Super Bowl caliber defense. And you mentioned the Legion of Boom history. I mean, Seahawks fans got an opportunity to see what a, a Super Bowl caliber defense looked like. And this was the complete opposite. This was a, a liability in terms of defensively that 
you know, you see teams like this make the playoffs and they're these great offensive powerhouses. But when you have a defense like that and you get to the playoffs, you just, you can't compete. And that's the team that we saw in the first half. Now it shifted in the second half. Now they, they also, they played teams that weren't quite as dominant offensively, but we did see a defense and, and I've tried to ask this of multiple people, you know, what did the, did the defense really get better or did they just play worse offenses? And the consensus really does seem to be that the, that the defense did get better. And a big part of that was Carlos Dunlap and, and they had him through the second half of the season. It was a little bit of the way they played offensively. You know, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't up tempo as much. And I know Russ, would really like to do that. And, and Pete really doesn't. And so that's, I think where we started to hear some of this off season dynamic of, of the, you know, the, the Pete Carroll versus Russell Wilson, because it, it had to do a lot with their style of play in the first half and the second half, we saw both halves, they get to six and two. And in that second half, we said, okay, well, this is at least a defense that if you pair it with the offense that we saw in the first half of the season, the defense that we saw in the second half of the season, if those two things can come together, then this can be a playoff team, a, you know, a championship team, maybe even a Super Bowl team. And for them to face the Rams then in that first round and go up against, a, you know, a quarterback who, well, one, the backup quarterback, backup quarterback that got knocked out early in the game. And then Jared Goff, who, you know, had a, a thumb that just had surgery on it and you lose to that team. Oh man, that is, it, it's, it was the worst way to start the off season. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year now. Yeah. I, don't blame you. I mean, do you think like the, obviously you didn't really get a home field advantage with COVID. Do you think that really affected you in a playoff game? Because obviously you, it's quite a arena, your, your play. It's quite it had an impact for sure, because yeah. you think of just being at one of those games, the emotional charge that a team gets by um, by having that home field advantage. I remember the biggest one was watching the Seahawks go on the road in Carolina in 2015. And that was the Carolina team that ultimately went to the Super Bowl against the Broncos. And an outstanding Seahawks team, you know, Russell Wilson getting into his, what, what was it? His third year, end of his third year, fourth year. Um, and then you had the Legion of Boom defense that was still at the top of its game. And they went in and just the emotion of that Carolina team, they hadn't played yet. They, they have the first round by, they're at home. And they rattled off, what was it? 28 first half points against that Legion of Boom defense. So, you know, that... It, it can have a huge impact. And I think that if fans were, it would have been there in the stadium. I, it would have made a difference. Would they have beaten that Rams team? I, I feel like every time that the Seahawks play the Rams, it's, it's 50, 50 and uh, gosh, it, it, it stinks to lose to a division rival to, <laughs> to have it because I, I do think that they, they probably could have won in the second round had they got through the Rams in the first round. Pass interference defense. Automatic first down. Yeah, like you say, obviously you're playing Jared Goff as well. We've, you know, they've improved upon now, so right. it's not go, not great going forward. I mean, if we talk about the um, the offensive line, obviously Russell Wilson has had some words to say about it. It was apparently the best ranked offensive line that he's actually had at Seattle, but still like 16th best in the division. I mean, 
you think there's massive improvement needed across the line? I, I don't think there's a massive improvement needed, and we're kind of seeing that begin to play out here at the start of free agency. They, Dwayne Brown, obviously a pro bowler. And as Russ has been saying, you know, that he needs protection. He was, he was sure to, to note Dwayne Brown, who has been a consistent pro bowl player. And, and really when it comes to the other guys on the line, you had Mike Upati who retired. And so they're filling in at guard for him most of the season when he was in there, he wasn't very effective. So it, it, you could see that that was coming. And then Ethan Posick, it was really just his first year starting full-time at center. And you got your, your rookie, Damian Lewis, who was on the all-rookie team. So he's you know a highlight of this past season. They, they actually pick a guy in the draft who started on the offensive line and, and looked pretty decent. He's going to need to improve as well. And then you had Brandon Shell, who you know, through that first half of the season – we looked at Brandon Shell and we thought, holy smokes, you know, this is a guy who is a, a clear improvement of what they had with Jermaine Effetti initially. And then he got hurt and the offense didn't feel the same then when Shell was in there. And we hoped that he would be back and ready in time for the playoffs. And he, he was just barely there. I think, you know, with the way of way he was playing their backup kind of swing tackle he would have been okay, um, and and they did resign him. I think that's kind of a low key move that they've made yeah. in this off season. But I, I think they're going to need all those guys with them back, and then bringing in Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. I think that's the one move that you can say, okay, well they they are going to be improved then, as long as everything else stays consistent. Yeah, and I, I think you struggle to really improve it any more than that. You know starting you just mentioned because of your cap situation i mean there's only so many 10 million dollar guys that you can bring out on your team and we saw with i i think the move that you have to look at is the jaron reed uh cutting jaron reed yep and you're kind of exchanging him for the gabe jackson so you're sacrificing on the interior of your defense now for the interior on your offensive line yeah i mean i mean this isn't even updated and you're still sort of you got no money. This hasn't updated with the uh, the Dunlop deal from yesterday, I believe. So, I mean, there's probably more cuts to come. I mean, is there anybody you can sort of see moving on? I the only guy I could that we discussed that maybe could move they could move on from is Quandre Diggs. But you know, really, they don't have to move on from anybody. And I don't even know if they had to move on from Jaron Reed because right. if you if you extend Tyler Lockett. Yeah. And, and sign him to multiple seasons. Jamal Adams, he needs a new contract. So if yep. you can extend him and, you know, there, there's some other players too, where you can, if you give them extensions that frees up cap space for this year. And, and then they can, once they make these signings official, then they'll, they'll still be under the salary cap. Yeah. And I, I think after we've, uh, we've brought up Jamal Adams now, I mean, if we talk about the trade, I mean, for me, it was a lot to give up for a safety. I, I don't know what your thoughts on him. I think he's, He's played well this year, but I'm not sure he's been as good as a two first round pick trade safety needs I, to I, be. You know, but for a guy who comes in and in fewer that what did he play? Twelve games this season, and he breaks the defensive back sack record in, okay. in fewer than sixteen games. So I, there's only so many guys in the NFL that can do that sort of thing. Mm. And yeah, I think in terms of positional value. A lot of people, when you're talking about giving up two first round picks, you're you're giving up those guys for, you know, we just saw the 49ers trade up for uh, from the 12th spot to the third spot. And it took two future first round picks 
to to make that happen. So they're doing it for a quarterback. We've seen the the Bears do it for Khalil Mack, two future first round picks. So it's usually uh, the guys that are getting sacks on the defensive line or the quarterback that you're trading those two number one picks for. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, the premier wide receiver, I, I go yeah. back to what Joey Galloway, I think they got two first round picks out of the Cowboys trading Joey Galloway um, way, way back when. So um, yeah, it's, it's a big cost, but there's Jamal Adams in terms of his production on the field. And then there's Jamal Adams, which is also the presence in the locker room and the presence on the field. And I think when they lost Richard Sherman, I think mm. it's that kind of personality that he brings to the field too. So I, I also look at that aspect of it and think that's really important, a really important part of giving up those two first round picks. Yeah. And I know he said that he wants to retire with you and stuff like that. Now I think he said that and, but I mean, the, the, the issue is, I think, well, obviously, he didn't have that extension. He only had his fifth-year option with you. So what's to stop him coming and saying, well, you've traded all this for me. Pay me the most money a safety's ever got. I mean, I'd oh, yeah. be and that would concerned. be, you know, that would be easy to do, just to say pay him the most money that a safety's ever gotten because and and now is the cheapest time to do that too right yeah. because yeah. you you wait and wait and then you're you're compounding that salary we've saw we've seen it with Dak Prescott you know go watch Kirk Cousins with the quarterback position so whenever you're a quarterback even in the top 10 you're talking about the top money for a quarterback when it's time for you to get your contract but with Adams you also have that that idea that, okay, well, he doesn't just produce as a defensive back. He also produces in terms of sacks. Yeah. So could he get, I don't know, a Shaq Barrett type deal? And for me, I would even say, okay, what Tampa paid Shaq Barrett? Sure. That, make that happen. And you're still reducing your cap for 2021. Yeah. You're signing him long-term. And I think you have an, a player that's going to be impactful on the defense now for the next four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes I know, sense. And obviously, I know you're um, a fan of him, Mitch. I know you're a fan of the trade. I mean, what's I, your... I think, it, yeah, but yeah, I think, um, I think it's a good point actually. You, Brandon, you put on the presence. I think is obviously it's, it's not undervalued, but it's obviously not talked about as much. Obviously, because yeah. when you put in trades in, you you look at the production value rather than the other type of locker room value, which you know that that's common. You know, there's no, there's no like bad or wrong with that. But obviously, it's a good point putting that out since Richard Sherman's departure. Um, obviously, you know, other than I think, correct if I'm wrong, I know KJ Wright has sort of come back in the frame, but Bobby yeah, Wagner. KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner both are our yeah. team leaders, but in terms yeah. of, it's different. I, they, they're yeah. leaders in one sense, but the kind of vocal leader that yeah. you could hear from Adams, it, it was more in line of, of what you got with a guy like Sherman. Sherman and where I yeah. feel like Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright are more in that camp chancellor type mold of, you know, they're, they're dominant type players and, you know, they have that, you know, they can provide that type of leadership, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Massively. I think um, on that back end as well, like you say, cause there's no one else there since Sherman, it needed someone to, to take control as much as, um, I mean, obviously he's not with you anymore. He's just left to the Jags, but obviously someone like Shaq Griffin, who, you know, was selling out. Okay. He was never going to be that guy like a Sherman, you know, like in terms of, not the production value, but obviously just more of, like I say, that presence. So, right. I mean, like you said, I think if it, in terms of value, I think people will look back at this trade and go, it, it was worth it in the end. I think if, if the production is still going to be there, which I can see it be happening, you know, I, I can't see why much else will change. It, I think people will talk about this is probably a better win for you than 
you know, than what you gave out to him for the Jets because the Jets are the Jets here. The Saints playing what they do with their picks. So I think people are going to look back at it like that 100%. I mean, well, and just a- you have to look too at where the Seahawks draft historically. Yeah. If you're yeah. making it into the playoffs, you're the number 20 pick or higher. And generally yeah. with what the Seahawks have done at those number 20 higher picks, it's now that's a way for them to accumulate. And what they have used those for is a way to accumulate multiple second round picks, third round picks. And, you know, they've, they've been able to draft in terms of volume. And really the 2017 class is a good example of that, where they turned picks, they had 11 draft picks in 2017, but the problem is, too, when you have that kind of volume and now what the only guys that they're bringing back from that 2017 class are Chris Carson, who they got in the seventh round and Ethan Posick, who they got in uh, the second round. And really, that was at a minimum type deal. I, Three million. I mean, not totally minimum, but, yeah. um, you know, it's it's not a big type of contract like Shaquille Griffin. And it's it's a bummer to lose Griffin. Uh, he's a really good player, but the way they are able to produce defensive backs that we've seen over the course of Pete Carroll's coaching time in Seattle, I I feel like that's a place where you don't, you don't have to overpay for a solid B B plus type corner, which I I think Griffin falls into that area. Um, You know, a a guy that I, I love having him on the team, but I don't know if you, if I think it hurts your team to, to pay him at the level, um, that Jacksonville was willing to pay him at and, and yeah. they can make up for that in other ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jacksonville have obviously had so much money this, this off season anyway, they, oh, you know, yeah. they're the highest, you know, they've just got, they can pretty much do whatever they want, especially how every other team is struggling. I mean, is there any areas that you can sort of see yourself improving on in free agency? I mean, is there any more guys to bring in? I mean, obviously we talked about the money. You can create some money by restructuring and extending. I mean, is there anyone that's been talked about? You know, as far as what the team's needs are remaining, um, I, I still think another corner. I don't know if Akella Witherspoon is is going to be the guy. They obviously think that he was because he was a priority to go out and get him within that first week as as potentially a guy who could replace Griffin. I don't know if you know maybe bringing back Richard Sherman is the type of move yeah, that yeah. they could make if if he lingers out there too long. <laughs> And he can come back. He can. He knows he can play within that system. Maybe it's a one-year deal, and then he goes and he gets one more big contract after this year somewhere else. But I think that that's a move that you could look at. Competition at center is one. Third wide receiver is another one because they they lost David Moore to the Panthers, um, and that's a spot that it would be nice to be able to improve. You know, Russell Wilson lobbying for Antonio Brown, is that the type of move? If you look at Seahawks retread type players, is Golden Tate a guy who you could bring back and and fill in that role too? It's, um, or is that a spot that you potentially draft at? I I don't know if it's a priority, but it it does still feel like that's a need that I'm looking for. But the, the problem is, is that list has gotten awfully short now after these first two weeks of free agency. And automatic first down. Yeah, but I think I think the issue you are in. I mean, like you said, you haven't got an awful lot of uh, needs. You've set, you've mentioned a few there that are sort of quite cheaper, op, you know, cheaper maybe position. You've only got three picks in the draft. Is it, right. I believe three. Yeah, so you know you can't do an awful lot draft wise. I mean, what what sort of position have you looked for in the draft wise? Because you're sort of second round if we move on to the draft. 
Um, yeah, I think quite late a, in the second, isn't it? I mean, yeah, a second of a fourth and a sixth, I think. Mm. And I could see them, you know, depending on how the draft shakes out, could they turn that second round pick into two thirds? Yeah, you know that that mm. could work. Um, I think just at, at what I'm thinking now with the depth of the wide receiver class, that would make a lot of sense to, to go wide receiver. I could see them going center, you know, with them bringing yeah. Ethan Posick back on a one-year deal. Could, could they bring in a center? And that's a, a really a position in the draft that generally, you know, second and third round centers, you see those guys being able to compete early on in their career. So that's kind of where I'm leaning, but with Seattle, you know, they always surprise us. We didn't think we were needing a, a linebacker last year, and that's where they went with the first pick in the in uh, what was it, twenty six overall, with uh, with getting Jordan Brooks. So they sometimes find a way to surprise us. And for yeah. once, I, I feel like that first round pick actually worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, and I like that policy of like going for sort of the best player available, regardless of need, because sure. you're going to need that player eventually. You know, if they if they're going to improve your team and you know the the seahawks always say that they draft best player available but you know they're they talk about it in a way of how they evaluate and you know the positions that they need go in into that evaluation of who they feel is the best player available so um i i you know it's i think it's a little bit of a workaround in terms of you know taking best player available but uh you know and Gosh, you know, with the way they value running backs too, that could be a spot where they go in the second and third round and Carson just being on a two-year deal with Rashad Penny coming to his final year of his contract. I don't think they're going to give him a fifth-year option based on his injury issues. And with with the fact that he's not going to be the starter now that Chris Carson's coming back in 2021. So, um, yeah, it could be Rashad Penny's last year in Seattle as well. Yeah, yeah. There's some um, the running back's actually quite a nice depth um, position. I mean, there's a couple of positions. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about how deep the draft is in certain position groups. Running back is definitely uh, in there. Like they, they reckon you could get a very nice guy. You know, you got the both running backs out of um, North Carolina. Um, you know, they look great, and you got some other guys that could even go in better into day three. And obviously, like you said about how the position is now valued. I mean, like you pointed out, Chris Carson was seventh round pick. You know, so and he's worked out fairly okay. You know, so it's a right. case of where you know, in, in that respect. So you look at that. I mean, the only sort of when I was sort of looking at it, obviously, I think like you've pointed the nail on the head. The best thing Seattle can do, um, I think it's fifty six. I worked it out as where you pick picking, but you can literally watch everything unfold in on day one and day two, and just see who's there because there might be a player that slides there always is you know there's always a guy or a couple guys that you know that, that they're touted and then it sort of falls down a cliff that you might be able to pick up I mean uh sort of the, the only position I mean I've seen Creed, Creed Humphrey pop up a couple times obviously at center and they reckon you know he could be a good value at um at second and you did point out on the center front um a couple guys maybe like um like a Tyson Campbell at corner maybe just a guy to bring in um, from Georgia, like seems you know he's got the right size. Just a couple of players. I think there will be someone at value at fifty six, you know, because of how deep this draft is. I mean, I, I, I also like your like your idea of turning that second into like two thirds, yeah. or I think know, just creating more players because you need more than three rookies. I, I think oh, yeah. 
personally, like it does catch up to you, doesn't it? When you're only having three rookies on, you're only Mark my words, John Schneider will not come out of this draft with yeah. only three players. <laughs> that is not his <laughs> MO and he's, he's going to find a way to turn that into more picks or he's, he, he'll even sacrifice future picks, you know, whether it's giving up a, a future fourth just to move into the fifth round, you know, that sort of thing. I, I could see him doing that on draft day for the right type of player. And, and I'm glad that you hit on corner too, because, you know, that's a position Midge where I, I think that um, yeah, in the, in the third round, Shaquille Griffin was the first time in the Pete Carroll era that they drafted a cornerback in the third round, it's always been yeah. you know, third, fourth, fifth. So he, that was the earliest that he selected mm. a corner. So that just shows you that I think that, that Pete knows that he can find those guys with what he knows about defensive backs, that uh, at least he can, he can find the traits. And we saw it with the DJ Reed move with them picking him up. You know, the, the 49ers were willing to let him go. Uh, prior to the start of this year. And yes, he had an injury and he wasn't going to come back into until the middle of the season, but by the middle of the season, DJ Reed was the starting corner opposite of Shaq Griffin. So, and, and that's a guy who doesn't fit the the profile at all. You, you see the, no. the length usually <laughs> with, with their corners, mm. the height and, um, and so for, you know, a, a five, nine guy to come in and be starting opposite corner, was kind of a surprise, but he, he did great. Yeah, yeah, he performed massively. Like you said, I think the best thing that you've pointed out with Pete Carroll, he's such a good evaluator on that back end, especially at corner. You know, like I say, I mean, some of the guys you had, obviously, especially Legion of Boom, like it was just so talented. And I think, I mean, I mean, this this um, draft's got some good corners there, and I think there'll be definitely some nice guys at, um, at uh, in the second round. You know, like I said, there is going to be some good guys there. Um, definitely. I, I only picked out Tyson Campbell because I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Georgia fan. I, I, I've watched his tape probably more than some corners, and I like, I like his size. He's a very, I think he very fits Pete Carroll's uh, corner uh, mm. mold because he's just got the right size. He, you know, he's lengthy. He, you know, he's quick. He's got value, but he's definitely only like a day two guy. Um, even uh, someone like Asante Samuel's son, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida, you know, state. Uh, he, he could be interesting. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think you're right. John Snyder's no way just going to go, oh yeah, we're just going to draft here and draft here and draft here and then that's it. Like it's not going to happen like at all. No chance of that. Never, never, never of that. I mean, if, I mean before we go into like a, an early prediction next year, I just want to ask you about, about Russell Wilson. I know that's sort of what going off topic where we are, but I mean, obviously he's talked about this trade. Do you think that's just complete like sort of smoke screen in his part or has he got any seriousness about his... I think that the Seahawks are genuine when they say that they're open to trading Russell Wilson because every single year they say they are open to trading their best players. Now, whether that actually happens, I go back to Richard Sherman when you know he was in his prime. We dealt with this in the offseason of will Richard Sherman get traded and you know, they they would go to Schneider and Carroll and in their draft conversations when you know they're at the combine or leading up to the draft and and say you know would is is a trade like this off the table and they'd say no you know that we're this is something that we would listen to any offer and it's it's the the thing is is that it, it would have to be a really good offer so it's they never qualify it that way but it would have to be the type of offer that you just can't say no to. And 
when we saw the the thing come out with the Bears being interested in Wilson and and we saw that they were willing to give up three first round picks and a couple starters, although one of the starters was a guy that they were cutting anyway. Uh, Keem Hicks is a darn good player, obviously, but not a big, I think, position of need for Seattle and that interior defensive line, especially. Well, maybe they need one now that they gave up Jaron Reed. But, um, you know, if they're willing to sacrifice his $10 million, you know, what's to say that Akeem Hicks and his $10 million is all that much different. But you kind of get where I'm going here in terms of three first round picks and two starters. It it sounds good, but as a Seahawks fan, we've seen this team, what Russell Wilson can do they haven't drafted in the early part of the draft because of Russell Wilson. So if the bears are giving you future first round picks in the number 20 overall in 2021, the expectation is those future first round picks are going to be lower pick or they're, you know, they're going to be higher picks than number 20 overall in the future season. So we just watched San Francisco give up two future first round picks just to move up a few spots in the draft. And I think that shows you just how much capital it would take to trade for a quarterback who, you know, is, uh, is going to take you to the playoffs. The, the offer that the bears put forward was the type of offer that, okay, are you really serious about getting rid of Russ? Like, is he a problem in Seattle? Because if he's a problem, then take this. And you're, you know, you're just going to be satisfied because now you're getting a problem off of your hands. Now you also take on the problem of having a huge dead money cap hit because you're getting rid of a quarterback who's under contract for multiple seasons, but that's the kind of offer it was to me. And yes, if a team would have come, come in with an offer of gosh, I, I have to think that it would take the kind of offer of three and it doesn't have to be, uh, three top 10 picks because it's hard to project out yeah. future drafts. But the value of three top 10 draft picks. And so when you're getting into future years, then you're talking about essentially first, second, and third round picks every single year from the Bears for the next three years. And I don't know if a team is going to, you know, if they're yeah. in, if they want to win long term, <laughs> would they handicap their team by? giving up those top three picks for the next three years. I it's, it takes that kind of a deal that to where you would say, okay, well, at least this is something that we can work with. And I, as a Seahawks fan, I don't even know if I would be happy with that because you're losing a a quarterback of that caliber, but you can at least say, well, that's the kind of value that if you're rebuilding, gosh, you can find some awfully good players. And in the future, you build another type of team, hopefully, Uh, you know, guarantee, but it does give you at least the ammunition for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, yeah. I think we've seen that with all these trades that have happened, like you say, San Francisco, two firsts, and they don't even know they're getting a proven guy. No. You know, yeah. Yeah. They don't even know, getting, you know which guy is yeah. going to be available at number three when they, you know, yeah. they can have a pretty good idea uh, at <laughs> this point. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, they don't the Rams, even know. You know, the Rams, two firsts for a guy that's never won a playoff game. I mean, as much as I like Stafford, and I think he's a massive upgrade, you know, he's not completely proven at the you know right. sort of level they need him to be proven at so like you say it's i think a, you're right it's going to take more than any team could possibly give it <laughs> would be well, I mean, and, and then, yeah deshaun yeah, yeah, watson go, go is one it. of those guys too where hmm. you know it's it sounds like he wants to be traded and the team will just say no 
we're, we're not really interested because, <laughs> yeah. and now that, that may have changed with everything that's going on. But, um, you know, if, if you're even trading for a player of, of Watson's caliber without the, the legal issues that are going on, I think we would see an unprecedented type of package for a player of that caliber. Yeah, I mean, just touching on uh, Watson, I mean, you said about the, the Seahawks always say we'll listen to an offer, which I think has got to be the right way to do it. I mean, the, the Texans apparently just aren't even listening to their voicemail or whatever about these trade deals. I mean, you've got to hear out what's being offered just because if someone gets silly, you can sort of rob a team, can't you? I mean, yeah. Well, and then, and you know, don't, don't and, and my characterization of the Seahawks position uh, don't get that twisted with what I feel because I, I don't think that the Seahawks should even come out right. because it, it creates this kind of circus sense in the media of, oh, Russell Wilson's available when really is he probably not. And so if if it were up to me and it were that, that would be the one criticism that I would say of the team is that uh, I wouldn't do that. I would not come out and say that Russ is available because of what I just mentioned, the type of compensation that it would take would be ridiculous to the point that no team is really going to do it. And yeah. um, I, I guess the other thing that we didn't necessarily talk about is, you know, it, would one of those, if one of those future first round picks is a top three pick where you're going to have your choice of quarterback and in this season, you know, if, if they were able to get the jets number two, for example, and yeah. John Schneider were really, ha- really high on Zach Wilson, for instance, then that kind of deal, okay, maybe you can work with that as well as a couple future first round picks or, you know, however that works out too. Cause at least then you're trading um, your, you know, a lower salary cap over the yeah. course of three, four years for a guy that you think that you can win with long-term. Maybe that makes sense. But yeah, I, I, I would rather just the team say that, no, he's not available. I, I'm just a quick, just to cap that off a little bit, because obviously it, I think you've talked about that subject for ages. I think we've hit on the main points. I think the one thing that really stood out to me, I mean, the keg knows how I feel about this, because it felt, like you said, it, it's a good word. It felt like a circus a bit, because I was actually saying to the keg, I was like, if this somehow happens, I said, Seattle take over from Houston for being the most stupidest team in the league. Like I'd just be like, what the hell are you absolutely doing? The reason why, no disrespect, like in the past few years, the reason why you have winning seasons and you are in contention is because of that. It's because of number three. It is him. Like, like why would you even think about going, Oh yeah, well, well, we'll hear you out. And no disrespect. I mean, what cracks me up with that bears offer? Like, like, I think that's a good point touched upon on Akeem Hicks and, and, and um, Fuller. But even like them third, um, them three picks, to me, Chicago on a quarterback away, they have, you know, like, all right, they just about scraped into the playoffs last year, like scraped it, like somehow, because Arizona cocked it up. But it's just a case of like, they're not, they're nowhere near ready. Even if they had Russell Wilson, I, I still wouldn't go they could win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a few more holes for them. If they gave, gave up a lot of, that's three f- future first rounds, you know, and, and and as much as I like Russell, you know, at the quarterback age, Russell Wilson's not getting any younger either. Like, you know, he's not in that bracket yet of like Brady playing at like 50, pretty much it's going to be <laughs> happening, you know, but he's not a young guy as he used to be. So 
you know, it all it all comes around. So I, I do think it was a little bit just like, yeah, it's just a bit of a circus. Because I was looking like, if this happens, like this is just ridiculous. Like if well, it and that's happen. yeah, it's it's why a team like the Jets or the Jaguars yeah. they wouldn't give up that first or second overall pick is because okay, yes, they're taking on now a proven quarterback that has won in the league for nine, ten seasons, but. There's also the, the the thing about, okay, well, we could get the guy who could be our quarterback for the next 10 to 20 seasons. And we know Russell Wilson isn't quarterback for us for 20 years. He, he's not playing till he's 50. So, yeah, it's, it's what makes a trade like that very difficult is it takes another team to be Texans level stupid. And there's not a lot of those teams. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're in there. And the category. Texans really aren't that anymore either because they've, they've got rid of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's all helped that situation. So if we, yeah, if we talk about like next season, then like a prediction for you, I mean, this, this roster's, oh, I'm going to say sort of like, you know your main core, don't you? I mean, there's not going to be that many changes now. And you're in a, you're in a tough division. Obviously, the Rams have got a lot better. Um, with the quarterback trade, you've got Arizona who've got better as well. You know, JJ Watt's going to be interesting. And you've also got um, the 49ers who obviously they're going to take their quarterback as well. I'm not sure he's going to play because it looks like they're going to keep Garoppolo at the moment, whether that's just trying to get more value out of him. Yeah, who knows? But, I mean, what sort of record do you see yourselves having next year? I think it's going to be tough considering the competition in the division to get another 12 and four for any team to get to 12 and four in the NFC West. So, you know, 11 and five, I think I'd be happy with because then you're gosh, you know, that's uh, I'll I'll have a little bit better. We know our opponents, we don't know the order, I guess. And um, it's, it's really tough to make predictions. Oh, I guess it might even be 17 games this season, right? Yeah, so yeah, hey, maybe 12 and five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you only have one more loss, but yeah, if, if any team, I think 12 games in a 17 game season, I think that that's going to win the NFC West and can the Seahawks do it with a new offensive coordinator? We haven't talked about Shane Waldron that higher from the Rams. So can he scheme up an offense that can, that can really get the Seahawks over the hump in the playoffs, because I, I think that's what we're talking about here in terms of players. Yes. Mm. I think they have all the pieces and we've really seen them kind of maintaining the status quo. Uh, Gerald Everett, he could be an upgrade over uh, Greg Olson was last season because yes, uh, at least you're getting a younger guy in that spot, you know, could a rookie come in and, and be that wide receiver three that takes over for that David Moore role on defense, you're keeping relatively the same parts if they can maintain it at corner. So I think the place where they really have the ability to improve most, it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with players. It has more to do with scheme and, you know, with, with Shane Waldron, it's kind of a question mark because you're having a guy come in who hasn't called plays before and how he uh, and Russell Wilson, how that dynamic works that's going to be a big question mark that I don't even think that we're going to have answered until we start to see some games coming up this season. Yeah. I mean, were you happy with the hire or was it sort of a bit too much of a risk for you? Um, I, I think it's, it's fine. I, you know, it's based on, I wasn't a huge fan of the Brian Schottenheimer hire when they got rid of Daryl Bevel, just based on the Seahawks fans. They, they want to see Russell Wilson used in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And 
Schottenheimer has been, you know, traditionally more of a running type uh, coordinator. And so we looked at that and yeah, it was, and, and then a lot of the other guys whose names were coming up too, it was you know, a lot of the run game stuff. And yes, Pete Carroll, he wants to run the football. I think the people that when they characterize Pete Carroll in that way, though, Pete wants to run the football. Yes, because that is generally what winning football teams are able to do. You, you don't see teams that can't run the football uh, in the playoffs, having a ton of success, but it is also to set up those big plays. And he loves the fact that Russell Wilson has the ability to make those big plays, the big throws downfield. He Pete has always been about explosive plays in addition to the running game. So they, people tend to leave that thing out when, when they're talking about Pete Carroll. Oh, he loves to run. Yes, he loves to run, but he also loves explosive plays. And yeah. Russell has that ability and so can can Shane Waldron's offense, can they incorporate that in what they've liked to do with the offense over the years? And I just, yeah, it's, it's the question mark of the yeah. off season. And I, I just have to have a lot of hope when it comes to that, because gosh, when you're, when you're trying to find an offensive coordinator to come in and replace, you're either looking at a coach who uh, has been an offensive coordinator, but then did not have the kind of success as a head coach that you would have liked to see. And so he's coming back to be a coordinator. That's never all that great of a look. And then the other option is, you know, the, the retreads at coordinator, which, you know, they, they haven't had a ton of success. And so the best you can hope for is, is a guy who is an up and comer, but yeah. there's question marks there and you don't know what you're going to get. And I, I feel like that's the situation that the Seahawks are in. Yeah. I mean, no, that's fair. You touched on Pete Carroll having to run, I suppose, except it's unless it's the last minute of a Super Bowl, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, we, we made it this far. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, I mean, uh, you can say we're Falcons fans, so I mean, we can't really talk about Super Bowls. So, no, we we can commiserate, I, I suppose, then when it comes yeah. to uh, yeah. Super Bowl uh, <laughs> <laughs> losses, right? Oh man, I mean, I mean, it's so interesting. With, I mean, yeah, just to touch upon, I think the main thing because we had obviously we had nine or something just long ago, and this is the one division when I'm going to be picking my division winners. I I stress this enough because it is it's kind of stressing me out because I'm like this is a hard division to pick, and it really is because I don't pick the Cardinals. Don't pick the Cardinals. Not picking there, but it's literally a case of where I'm like the Niners. I mean, this was out you know, before they traded, but even before that, I'm like, you know, they, they had the injury bug last year, you know, they, right. they, that's why they were six and 10, you know, like they would have been up there if they had most of their players healthy, mm-hmm. but it's just a case of where I'm like, I think 10 and six could win the division because I think it's going to be so like back and forth between some of these teams. I really think it could be that tight and everyone's like, oh, that's quite low. And I'm like, yeah, but it could do it because it's such a hard division based on just the divisional games themselves. I mean, obviously it depends what happens in the regular season or wherever else plays, but I, I, I really think, I still think you'll get a winning season. I, I'll never count Seattle out of that because of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. You know, I, I, I trust them in their process because they've done it. They are the, they have been one of the best levels of consistency for the last 10 years in the league. They have, you know, everyone's got to accept the fact yeah. that, that there's the Patriots, yeah. which, you know, everybody, you know, yeah. put, that's the gold standard. And, and then, you know, with mm. Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick, and really, that's a really a difficult standard to try and live up to. And mm. then, you know, Seattle's been right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. They have massively. And then, you know, if you're always in contention to be in the playoffs, 
you know, obviously you had that run when you had the Legion of Boom and you had that great defense, obviously Russell, you know, and, and when you were, when you won the Super Bowl and then obviously got back into it and, you know, you're always around like the championship games, you know, and if you're allowed, no, if, if, if you're, if you're thinking of being the contention for X amount of time every year, then sign me up. You know, every fan wants that, you know, yeah. so the, the consistency has been there, but I, I'm I trying really... to tell that to Seattle fans too, because you know, after these <laughs> last true. four years of not paying, making it past the divisional round, people are starting to get a little bit uh, upset with the team. And, and you know, yeah. I, you know, you just got to stick with it. Try don't make huge changes. Try and make the little yeah. changes <laughs> because you need to, you, you need to try and, and get back there. But Man, I mean, yeah, you guys are Falcons fans, so you know, even with you, you know your court, you have your quarterback, but there's so many yeah. other pieces too, and yeah. you know, really the quarterback receiver combo you've had for so many years. Yeah. So hmm. it's just you know, injury issues getting in the way, some coaching issues you know, potentially getting in the way, and yeah, if and so you've seen that big swing then that they've made where they've yeah. gone to the Super Bowl and then swung back and and really haven't even. You know, been terrible since. Yeah, we've never recovered, um, and it's true. Right, you know, right. And I don't want that. I that's why I tell Seahawks fans like you you don't want to give up on Coach Carroll or (laughs) Russell Wilson. You want to keep these two together. No, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's much worse franchises out there that you know you you could be following the Lions, the Texans. I mean, the Jets. You know, loads are just. There's a lot of hot messes in the NFL and, and yeah. Seattle has definitely not been, and you won't be, as long as you've got them there. If Russell Wilson plays his career out of you, you're still going to have a chance. I think you, you know, with a couple of better pieces, eventually I think you could push a deeper playoff run. And the fact that you're still in the playoffs is just the main thing. I mean, personally, just a quick one off, just to sort of catch up. I think nine wins is the, the lowest. Right. I think I think you could get that. I think it'll be a what more of a wild card spot, but that's... Yeah. Healthy like, that Russell could, Wilson, I feel like yeah. gets you nine wins. Yeah, yeah, massively. You know, and like you mentioned, record. it's probably like where it is so competitive, it's probably not going to take an awful lot of wins to win this division. No, you know, like and because it's like so hard for each team, you know, like 10 or 11, 12 wins will probably win the division sort of thing. Yeah, and like you were saying too, Midge, I, I guess the thing, you know, when you're trying to decide between the Seahawks, the 49ers and the Rams is that, man, if if they can just get jimmy garoppolo level production out of the third overall pick and get that production over the course of a season and have him stay healthy which garoppolo hasn't been able to do then yeah you you probably are talking about a playoff team and with their ability the 49ers have done such a great job at drafting well and so that was my big worry that when they made that move they've they've drafted well at a lot of other spots they feel like they're a quarterback away. Now there's a lot of risk that goes along with taking the the third quarterback off the board, but it's, it's a risk reward type deal. And yes, even so, even if the at worst they get is Garoppolo level production, if they trade him away, then you're talking about a big difference in salary cap that they can now assign additional guys or, or keep some of those big name players on longer term because, you know, Fred Warner, he's going to be needing a contract coming up. Uh, paying Bosa on the defensive line coming up so that they're going to want to keep those guys together. And it, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense for them to make this move now. And yeah. I just hope it goes the wrong way for them. Wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely, definitely. If you're a, a Seattle fan, 100%, Brandon, definitely agree with you on that. Um, I tell you what, we'll, we'll cap it off there, um, Brandon. It's been really great to talk to you today. It's been great talking to Seattle football with you. Uh, hopefully, see how the season goes. I'm sure Russell Wilson will be leading you, and it'll be all be. I'm sure Seattle fans won't give up just yet, but we'll have to see how it goes. We really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, coming to uh, talk to us today. Appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Go Hawks. There we go. All right, guys. So we've still got a couple more off-season talk episodes. We're nearly there up to the 32. So we've got a few more of those coming up. Uh, Be sure to check everything out soon. But thank you very much, guys. Take care. Stay safe and catch up.